proclaiming Christ, victor over sin and death. You're listening to Ancient Faith Radio, your Orthodox Internet radio connection. This is Ancient Faith Today with Father Tom Soroka, a weekly live call-in show addressing the issues of our day from a distinctly Orthodox perspective. You can join the conversation by calling in at 855-237-2346. That's 855-AF-RADIO. Father Tom is the priest at St. Nicholas Orthodox Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and welcomes guests from across the globe to discuss important topics of interest. Here's Father Tom. Welcome to Ancient Faith Today Live. This is Father Tom Soroka, and I'm so glad that you're with us. We'll be taking your calls in a bit at 1-855-AF-RADIO. That's 1-855-237-2346. Matushka Trudy will be answering your calls tonight, so please make sure to turn the show volume off before you come on air. To participate online, our show is being live streamed right now on uh, the YouTube page, uh, youtube.com slash Ancient Faith Ministries. You can see the video, the live stream there. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Please join us there. And uh, of course, you can join us on the AFR uh, app. You can join us uh, at the AFM various pages, but However you join us, we're happy that you're here. Call in, give us your comments. Uh, this is going to be a very special show for tonight. So let's get started. Well, um, we have a very, very special guest tonight. And I was saying to Father Nick before the program began, this is, uh, I would say, one of the highlights of my life is uh, interviewing this blessed man of God today. Uh, it's been 44 years since the formation of the Evangelical Orthodox Church in 1909, which was then led by a group of four men, uh, six men, excuse me, Peter Gilquist, Jack Sparks, John Braun, Richard Ballou, Gordon Walker, and Kenneth Bervin. The formation of the Evangelical Orthodox Church was a major step in a journey that actually began 10 years earlier when Peter Gilquist and John Braun left the leadership of Campus Crusade for Christ. And while they preached Christ to hundreds of thousands of college students, they sensed that they weren't leading them fully into the church. And that led them to leave the Campus Crusade for Christ. They studied the writings of the early church, the early fathers, and they came to the conclusion, which I'm sure was mind-blowing to them, that the church had a hierarchical structure and had liturgical worship. After the formation of the EOC, they actually went into dialogue with several of the jurisdictions in America, the Orthodox jurisdictions. Most notably, they went into uh, a lengthy a five-year relationship in dialoguing with the OCA, the Orthodox Church in America. But it wasn't until being turned away by the Patriarch of Constantinople that they then turned to Metropolitan Philip of the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of Blessed Memory, and that culminated in the year 1987 when 2,000 people en masse entered into the Orthodox Church as the Antiochian Evangelical Orthodox Mission. And so tonight, we are very pleased to welcome Father John Braun. He is Pastor Emeritus, uh, former Dean of the Southern California Deanery of the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of Los Angeles in the West. He is a well-known writer and public speaker. And as I said, he is one of the original leaders of the Evangelical Orthodox Church. And I honestly can't believe that I am uh, talking here with uh, the author of this outstanding book, Divine Energy, The Orthodox Path to Christian Victory. 
Father John Braun, welcome to Ancient Faith Today. Well, uh, I'm just so glad to see you. It's, it's just been forever since the last time I saw you. <laughs> I don't know what happened to you. I thought you got raptured. <laughs> well, it's, it's really an honor uh, to be here with you today. And um, I have so many questions for you. And really what I want to do is just uh, pick that brain and that heart of yours and see what's in there. Because um, I remember um, I was a choir director at St. Michael's in Louisville in 1987. Uh, and at that time, the Evangelical Orthodox Church was just getting sort of warmed up toward orthodoxy. And I had visited the Evangelical Orthodox Church in Indianapolis. And that was quite an experience for me. I'm a lifelong Orthodox Christian. My father, grandfather, two uncles, great uncle was a priest. And uh, that was something I had never seen before. And I remember hearing tapes of you and Peter Gilquist. And I remember um, something striking me about the lively way in which you presented the faith, in which you presented the gospel. So my first question for you, Father, is um, tell me about your upbringing. Tell me about your family. Um, I, di I don't hear much about that. I, I listened to some of your lectures, but I want to know a little bit about your, your Christian upbringing. Tell me about your home and what your family life was like. Well, I had a really unusual upbringing. I, I was extremely blessed. My father was a Presbyterian minister. Uh, he was very conservative. And uh, I grew up in a home that read the Bible and prayed every day. I was extremely well taught. Uh, what we did, Father Tom, is we memorized scripture every single day. I mean, every day. And uh, since I was young, I could learn it quickly. And uh, my parents uh, couldn't quite keep up. But by the time I graduated from <laughs> high school, I'd learned over 500 verses from the Bible by heart, chapter wow. and verse, word perfect. And I, I actually went to church six to 10 times a week. I, mean, I came from what you call a Christian background. And I am so grateful for that. That's really amazing, and I think it shows in the way that um, your faith really is uh, something so dynamic to you. Now, when you were memorizing scriptures, were you involved in a church in your childhood? Uh, what was the denominational background when you were growing up? Uh, it was Presbyterian, uh, and... Uh, my father was the pastor of the church, and so uh, I was. That was my life. I didn't. My, all my friends were in that church. It was in Berkeley, California, and uh, it, it was. You know, it was just an average little old Presbyterian church, but it was my life, and. Uh, like, for example, one day my father asked me why I didn't go to prayer meeting. That's a Wednesday night service in a lot of churches, okay? Now, when my father asked a question, it wasn't really a question. So next Sunday or next Wednesday, Johnny was at prayer meeting. And, uh, and Johnny was there uh, until Johnny graduated from high school. But Johnny got lonely, so he brought a bunch of his friends with him. So we sure. we'd get a bunch of kids from our youth group, and we'd all go and uh, and it, it it was my life. Even my boy scout troop was in that church. Wow! And what what uh, led you to go into Campus Crusade for Christ? Did you go to college? Did you uh, you know what things did you study in your life? And then how did you end up at Campus Crusade? Well, first of all, I, uh, I had no other objective in my life ever from any time I remember to be anything but a minister. If you would have asked me at, at five years old, Johnny, what are you going to be when you grow up? 
And Johnny would have said, I'm going to be a minister. Uh, I never thought of being a doctor, a lawyer, anything else. And so I went through college. Uh, I chose a college a thousand miles away from home uh, to start with. I went one year to a college in Spokane, Washington. And then uh, I transferred to a, a state college in California. And I finished that. But while I was in college, uh, I, I met a very delightful young lady uh, who was a member of what is called the Evangelical uh, Covenant Church of America. Uh, you know, people sometimes say that Orthodox are, are ethnic. Well, let me tell you, the Evangelical Covenant Church was ethnic too. Yashur, you betcha. Uh, <laughs> it, it was about as Swedish as you can get. All the jokes were in Swedish. And, wow. Uh, I heard a lot of Swedish spoken in some of those years. But uh, one day... I learned that the uh, moderator of the uh, General Assembly, the Presbyterian Church, said that it was that if you didn't want to believe in the resurrection of Christ, that was okay. You could still be a fine uh. Christian member of the Orthodox, of the of the Presbyterian Church. And so I said goodbye, uh, and I had enrolled at uh, Fuller Theological Seminary after I graduated from college, and I completed two years there, but I was going to be a, a pastor in the Evangelical Covenant Church, and it was required that I go to their seminary. And it was a, a, an astonishing miracle, really. That I ended up going to North Park Theological Seminary and uh, graduated from there. Now, an opportunity came up to become the chaplain and Bible teacher at a high school in Minneapolis. This is all part of the story. It's very important. Oh, wow. So I became the, the chaplain, the Bible teacher uh, in, uh, at Minnehaha ha, ha Academy in, <laughs> in Minneapolis. And uh, in the course of that, one night, a, two couples showed up my front door at dinner time. I mean, they, not to eat, but they showed up. And they were from Campus Crusade for Christ, and they'd just been to a training session. Well, I'd heard about the movement, but I'd never had any contact with it whatsoever. But that night, Peter Gilquist and uh, his fiancée, Marilyn Grinder, oh. and the director of Campus Crusade for Christ at the University of Minnesota showed up at my front door. Well, everything went in motion from there. Now, I couldn't have been the chaplain in that school without being a covenant minister. Oh. So if I hadn't been that, I wouldn't have been there. And that's where I met Campus Crusade for Christ. And their training sessions in those days were just outside of Minneapolis. And so uh, the, the die was cut. I, uh, I was I, I taught for two years. I got bored teaching the same class six times a day. And uh, <laughs> I, I liked the kids, but I, I didn't like, you know, it's okay. <laughs> well, I wanted clearly, to clearly God's hand was in all of that, uh, directing oh my goodness, you to yes. the right place at the right time. Uh, Father John, before we go on, I want to remind our listeners, you can give us a call at 1-855-AF-RADIO, or there's another way that you can contact us. It's really easy. Right from your phone, you can send us a text message. Sends Father, Father John a text message to 412-206-5012. So if you have any questions or comments, 412-206-5012 for a text, but we would love to hear from you, one 855 AF radio. All right, Father John. So um, let's move into the time that uh, you're at Campus Crusade. And I remember you said something to the effect of uh, Peter Gilquist at that time said that he was leaving Campus Crusade. And he said something to the effect of, and John Braun is coming with me. <laughs> he, That's he didn't exactly even, what happened. Is that what happened? <laughs> well, I barely have ever forgiven him for it because uh, <laughs> uh, 
uh, you could have had a cushy job. Resign, uh, you know, and we'd had a re- we'd had a remarkable time. I I loved I Father Tom. I loved every minute. I'll bet that I was in Campus Crusade for Christ. I probably spoke on at least a hundred campuses around the United States and Canada. It was exciting. Yes. Uh, I don't regret those moments at all. But about 1966, about six years into being involved, uh, we were in a in a ministry that was called. We called ourselves Para Church. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Peter Gilquist and a number of others of us, we began to talking, what do we mean by parachurch? Jesus didn't establish a parachurch. Right. And so we decided we were going to turn Campus Crusade for Christ into a church. And, and there was some, we had campuses where kids were baptizing kids in the shower. And, uh, <laughs> and But then what happened was we came to an impasse because... Yeah. Campus Crusade couldn't be a church and then be supported mm-hmm. by churches. So we had to leave. And uh, uh, that was, it was a trauma, but on the other hand, we had to do it. Yeah. And so you began studying the scriptures, you were studying the church fathers. Um, the one thing that I always wanted to ask you here, and I'm trying to formulate this question the right way. Uh, you know, we've all read the book, right? We read Becoming Orthodox. We read uh, your uh, uh, tract, uh, Finding the New Testament Church. The, these these stories are really everywhere now. But what I want you to do, Father John, is put us in that room when you uh, you know, all of, when it hit you all that you you had to be the church, you you were thirsting for the church, and you came to the realization that the church was, as I said in the intro, hierarchical, liturgical, ancient, uh, with incense, with uh, bread and wine for the Eucharist. What? What was going through your minds at that time? It must have been uh, an incredible sea change for you to have to maybe, uh, like we say, like eat some crow, you know, <laughs> that, that you had to, had to kind of come to understand that the church was more than what you thought it was. What was that like? Put us inside there. Well, it, it, it didn't happen in a day. It happened over a period of, of actually years. Uh, we began first of all, you know, we were going to be little house churches and mm-hmm. and uh, very anti-liturgical, anti-sacramental. All of us, mm. uh, we, it was just you know you just get folks together and and you sing a few hymns and, and and actually it was nice and we had a measure of success. But what happened was, is we realized we have got to have some roots, so. Uh, two of us particularly started to hear, uh, I'm in, I'm in uh, Goleta, California, and I, the University of California, Santa Barbara is just a few blocks away. So we started going to the library at UCSB five days a week, and we found their section on church history. And, and one day, one of my friends called me, he said, you know, there's something called the Church Fathers. Now, I didn't know what, I'm a seminary graduate. I had no idea what the church fathers were. Now, I I finally figured out, you know, I I knew who a couple of them were. I knew, uh, I knew St. Athanasius had said contra mundum, you know, uh, uh, if the world is against Athanasius, Athanasius is against the world. Uh, You know, a few little things like that. But uh, we we ran into literally St. Athanasius first. And we just devoured him, especially on the incarnation. But not mm. just that we read everything we could find. And then we began reading the other fathers. But, Father Tom, we didn't know there was an Orthodox church. Right. We thought we were going to become Roman Catholic. 
And it, now this took this took a period of about two or three years, and we finally realized. Well, one day, one, a friend of mine, uh, Father Richard Ballou, he said, "You know, there's there's such a thing as the Orthodox Church." Now, I hope you're sitting down, Father Tom. <laughs> I am because we said. The Orthodox Church is obviously the original church, and it's no longer mm. exists, so we're going to start it over exist. again. Yeah, right, right. And so we formed the Evangelical Orthodox Church. Sure. <laughs> and, 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 of course, we, we got betrayed. Uh, I'm joking now because um, a priest that had known Father Jack Sparks when Father Jack was in Berkeley, uh, doing his countercultural ministry, he called Father Alexander Schmemann and told him about us. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, then it was all over. Uh, yeah, that's I, that. Then from there on, we just it, it was just uh, you know I it, I it exploded. I have to I have to say you know looking back sort of forty years later that the the issue here is people today that are 20 years old 30 years old and they they didn't experience this 40 years ago this is something that um has it, it was unprecedented because at that time how many books in english were there about orthodoxy five ten oh. i mean there was like nothing, you know? It's not like YouTube today and the internet and so forth where you can learn about every, anything at uh, the touch of a button, but rather now what, what we're talking about today is very different than what you experienced. So I don't personally think that the, the leaders of the EOC, who I know feel very sort of awkward about this, uh, creating an, an Orthodox church. I think it was a very natural thing to do. That was in many respects, I'll say it. That was our fault. Even Metropolitan Phillips said we're the best kept secret in America. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we should not be a secret, you know? And so I think this is, uh, it was very natural what you did. You wanted to be a part of the church that you were reading about and you didn't realize that it actually existed. It, when the only, you know, the, there were so few books. Uh, the Timothy Ware book was, that had been done. And of course we read that in, in, immediately. One of the funny things is when we did find uh, the Orthodox Church, one of our, uh, we, we, were, uh, we were bishops then, okay? Uh, yeah, of course. We'd made ourselves, but one of us went to a, an OCA, uh, All-American Conference and introduced himself and they asked him why he was there. He said, well, we're Orthodox. We came to find out if you're Orthodox. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, we yeah, didn't know well, anything. We really didn't. Well, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh, Father John, we have uh, someone uh, on the phone line here some guy named John Maddox. I don't know who that is. Oh my goodness! Oh, uh, wait. of course, John Maddox. All right, the the father of Ancient Faith Radio. John Maddox, yes. welcome to Ancient Faith today. Oh my goodness! What a privilege this is to greet <laughs> the one and only Father John Braun, a hero <laughs> of mine. I and I Indeed. am saying that with all honesty. Thank you, Father John. For you and Father Peter, I can tell you for a fact, there would have been no Ancient Faith Radio were it not for Father Peter Gilquist and Father John Braun. You opened the door for us and made it possible for us to embrace Orthodoxy with speaking a language that we understood as lifelong evangelicals, with your big study Bible raised <laughs> over your head, and the preaching of the gospel with fervor and sincerity. I just cannot thank you enough for what you mean to me and to, and I think I speak for every evangelical who has come into the Orthodox faith. God bless you for what you did. 
Well, I appreciate that, John, and and uh, of course, what you've done, and and your your people with you in Ancient Faith Radio. I mean, we got left in the dust. Uh, it's just been remarkable the ministry that you've had, and believe me, we've followed it uh, diligently. Well, we're blessed to have your son as the chairman of our board. So, I mean, it's <laughs> a gift that keeps. Isn't on that coming. ironic? It is so ironic, and people are not listening to hear me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up because I want to hear more from you as everybody else does. But I could not let this moment pass without sincerely thanking you for what you have done and the the courage that it took to take these steps as these mm-hmm. men searching sincerely for the true church. You found it, and you helped us find it too. Yeah, we thank did you. find it, and. And thank you and Bobby for what you've done. Uh, well, I'm going to shut up now and listen, because you've got a lot more to say, and I want to hear it. <laughs> thank you, John. Right. Thank you. And you that, uh, Take care. That, that gives a lot of context to really the impact, Father John, that you've had on so many thousands and thousands of lives. And I mean that sincerely. Um, I am sure that in those days when... Uh, the after, after the EOC came into the Orthodox faith, I'm sure that, and we know, there were many challenges that you faced. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the dreams that you had, the vision that you had, you had to bring the rest of us kind of dragging us with you, you know, because some of us didn't get it. Uh, and, and you started really... Uh, a new movement of orthodoxy. And I would also say, Father John, that the movement that we see today, a new movement of uh, discovering the orthodox faith, really, I think that you all set the pattern for that. You set the bar very, very high, and you were able to uh, help us understand that at the center of our orthodox life is the gospel of Christ. And this, it isn't that the Orthodox faith hides that, it's that we weren't understanding that and we needed someone to point that out. And uh, I, I believe that the greatest gift that you all gave was to show us the supremacy of the gospel of Christ. You know, I appreciate that, but but let me say this. the as As the years began to go by, we didn't change for the worse, but we were that that distinction that that was there initially uh, went away. And and today, uh, people, the the you know, we were called the Evangelical Orthodox Mission. After two or three years, we just said away with that. We just we're just Orthodox, and, and we have blended in. And I am so grateful for that. I was uh, when I when I became a, a priest, uh, I didn't know how to do anything, and and I would I was calling I would call Arabic Arabic speaking priests. How do you do sure. this? How do you do that? Sure. I didn't have the right. most vague right. idea. I remember the first right. wedding I ever did. It was in Salt Lake City. I didn't know how to do it, and uh, Father Tom Ruffin took me through the entire ceremony. I made it, but it wasn't that the Orthodox Church didn't have an impact on us. It had a huge impact. I mean, we became utterly Orthodox with no distinction. I I agree. I agree. And that's very important. I, I Honestly, it's very important to point that out, that you weren't there to change the church. The church was forming you. But yes. what you did was supply uh, really what St. Paul says, you were supplying what was lacking in us. Uh, and that was that that first love. Uh, and we're so grateful for it. Father John, there's a couple of text messages that came here. Uh, one is just a hello. It is, uh, it says, hi, Father John, it's Tammy Tamush Salomon. Oh my goodness. So blessed to have met you and have you in our lives. I'm your biggest fan, she said. Uh, well, let me tell you something about her. 
one day we were in a meeting. She, I think she was 19. She's not 19 today. But we were in a meeting, and it, it was about a collegiate ministry. And I was going on, you know, Metropolitan Philip put me in, in, in charge of a campus ministry. Okay, yes. so I was talking with a group of, of students, and I was telling them what we were going to do. And, and Tammy looked at me, and she said, Father John, you didn't, uh, we didn't join you, you joined us. Stuck in my mind instantly. And I said, in my head, I said, she's totally right. Sure. And I'm speaking a language that I'm going to have to change a little bit because uh, I was on territory that I was familiar with, but I was talking to pe people who, uh, it wasn't their language. She, she was, I never forgot that remark. And I, I, she's a remarkable person. Very good. Very good. There's another question here, Father John. A very interesting question. It's from Christy, and it says, Father John, based on your experience, is there anything you think the Orthodox can learn from the evangelicals? Oh, that's a hard question. It's, it's, it, it, you know, we can learn from anyone. Uh, one thing I think we can learn from evangelicals is boldness. Uh, Father Peter Gilquist was a remarkable person. Uh, if he was on the airplane, he was talking to the stewardess about Christ or the person next to him. Mm. The, the fact is, what we learned in the evangelical world was how to talk to people about God. And we initiated the conversation. Mm -hmm. And we did it day in and day out all day long. We were just, uh, and, and it was, it's, it's so easy. And, and that's really what scared people. When we became Orthodox, they said, well, <clears throat> what are we, you're going to make us be on soapboxes and, you know, out <laughs> preaching in the open and so on. And, and, and it was very scary. Well, right. We, things had to work out, you know, but I think we brought something in terms of, not not in the Orthodox world, because many places in the Orthodox world, there had been great boldness and people suffering for it. But there was a Indeed. boldness that we brought uh, in, in America. Uh, and, and I think that helped. Um, you know, yeah, that's I don't a know very what good, our influence was. Honestly, it's a very good answer. It, it really is. And I think you summarize that very well. I, I will be honest with you. In my own ministry, in my parish, um, one of the things that I try and we as a parish are trying to accomplish is um, being able to articulate, each one of us, what are the good things God has done for us. Because for whatever reason, uh, as Orthodox Christians, and again, I grew up as an Orthodox Christian, I have a long history in the faith, father, grandfather, uncles, priests, and so forth. But your faith is something that you don't necessarily talk about. And there was a certain pride about that. It was a very private mm -hmm. thing. It was something that you keep in your heart. Okay, I get that. But in a culture in which we talk about everything. I mean, now you have the internet, everybody has an opinion on everything. The faith is the last thing that we should be quiet about because even the faith itself is being challenged on places like the internet. So I think it's very important, and I think what you say is right, that we have to learn this kind of boldness to be able to say, I am a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. I, you know, I receive the body and blood of Christ. Uh, come to church with me. Help, you know, I want you to experience this. This is very important. This is the true church. Um, I think that that's what we're learning from, from you. And of course, as the questioner said, from the evangelicals. I think, you know, uh, <clears throat> 
I do think you're you're right on that. And even if it's just such a simple thing, people, if they just hear you say the word Orthodox Church, the words Orthodox Church, you've done something. You know, I walked past the Greek Orthodox Church in Berkeley probably a hundred times. I had no idea what it was. I mean, I never saw it open. I never saw anything. And I, I don't criticize that. It was for Greeks. Uh, and, right. and for that era, yep. maybe that was fine. But it, yep. that's not the world we live in now. And, and just to let people hear that, that there is such a thing as the Orthodox Church and that we don't change. I mean, that's a big, that's huge. That's, by the way, uh, I had an experience, Father Tom, one day, uh, uh, early in the journey to orthodoxy, someone challenged me and, and he said, you know, you just don't pay attention to any what other people say. And I said, well, I do too. What do you want me to do? He said, I want you to go to San Diego and listen to a particular minister. And I want you to go to Springfield, Missouri and listen to a particular minister. The next Sunday, I went to San Diego and a week or two later, I took one of my sons and I went to Springfield, Missouri, and I listened to two Bible teachers argue with each other. And uh, I walked out of there confused. I came back home here to where I live now. I called my friend, Father Richard Ballou, who was just Dick Ballou, and I said, I've had it. I've split all my life. I split from the Presbyterian Church. I split from the Covenant Church. I split from Campus Crusade for Christ. If I split once more, I'm done. I wanted something that held still. And honestly, Father Tom, that's what, more than anything else, what drew me to the Orthodox Church was that it holds still. I remember my father would come home from Presbytery meetings. My father was an arch conservative. And he would come home so disappointed at what was happening in the church, in, in the changes taking yes. place. And I, I understood that. I wanted something holding still. And right now, that's what we need in this world, something that holds still. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, this is a, that's, that's a really, really good point. And I think the... Um, the, the next comment that just came into our text line, 412-206-5012, uh, send us a text. We'd love to hear from you. This is from Charmaine Damore. Oh such my a joyful blessing to see and Such a joyful blessing to see and hear you, dear Father John. I treasure so many memories of hearing you and learning so much from you. May God continue to bless you in abundance. You are greatly loved. And now she has a question. And it has to do with the current trend that has happened in the last few years during and since COVID. She says, my question is, what are your thoughts on the current trend in so many of our parishes to have such an increase in catechumens and why such a large percentage of them are young men in their 20s? So are you aware of this, Father John, that there's a tremendous increase in the number of catechumens that are coming to the church? Oh, it's yes. happened since COVID. And um, a lot of young men, tremendous number of young men. Um, she is asking, why do you think this is happening? Um, and what are your thoughts about it? Stability. Essentially, it's, it's almost the same reason that they... They want to know what's true. And today, truth is generally defined as whatever you feel it is. Father mm -hmm. Tom, truth can't ever be just what you feel because your feelings change and other people have different feelings. And I, I think, uh, you know, I don't want to get into why it's young men, but I think it's relatively obvious. But it, it, she's very correct. Just if you it. look at the catechumens, there, there are churches that have 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 catechumens. Yes. Uh, and the majority are going to be younger men. 
men in their between 20 and 40. Uh, they, they want stability and they want somebody to say, <laughs> this is what the truth is. Right. Yeah. And, and so I, she's, she's very good to point that out. It is very important. It's an important aspect of our cultural moment. And as you said, things are changing so rapidly in our society that people are looking for that stability and that truth. So Father John, that leads me to a follow-up question. And I actually had planned to ask you this. With all of these conversions, and you know, on the show we try to be as frank as possible without you know being offensive and so forth. Um, one of my fears, and I think that that the statistics bear this out, is that even though, let's say, in these churches where we have 40, 50, 60, 70 catechumens, not all of them are going to stay. No. We, we know this for a fact. Um, I, you know, I think that because our society is so unstable right now, and somehow there, this is a kind of acceptable thing where people, uh, you know, change religions or get mad about this and go to that church and so forth. Um, what advice can you offer? Now, you have been an Orthodox Christian, uh, you know, going on uh, 50 years now. So what advice can you offer to these young catechumens when they feel like, well, maybe orthodoxy is not for me. Maybe I should be a Muslim or maybe I should be uh, this or that or Roman Catholic, or maybe I should just give up and stay home on Sunday because it's just easier. What, what kind of words of wisdom would you give to people that are starting to feel a little bit, um, uh, anxious about the, 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 the years ahead of them as Orthodox Christians? Well, I would say at least two things, uh, uh, probably a hundred more, but two come to mind right <laughs> away. <clears throat> and it has to do with whoever does the catechism, whoever does the teaching. I think there is the uh, now when an evangelical comes to the Orthodox Church, he he or she tends to be, uh, where is it taught in the Bible? That's not a bad question, no. but in the Orthodox Church, the Bible is not the pillar and support of the truth. The Church is the pillar and support of the truth individual opinion about what the Bible teaches is not what we as Orthodox do. You may have your opinion, but your opinion better match the what the church teaches. Uh, that, and when, when someone becomes a catechumen and is chrismated, that person better understand that their opinion is relatively useless anymore. Because the second thing is, and you brought this up a while ago in this broadcast, mm -hmm. the church is hierarchical. So let's say that I think that the church is wrong on H, you know, on, on the gender issue. Let's say that's my opinion. Well, one of my answers would be, well, if, if that's if that's what you think, then I would suggest that you. Uh, uh, try to make yourself uh, uh, known to the to the bishop, because mm -hmm. I can't make a decision as a priest. I can't change what this church teaches. If you wanted to change, you've got to go to the hierarchy. The, Father Tom, we're a hierarchical hierarchical church. Yes, yes. and that's terribly important because yes. that helps keep us from being, you know, this church is a little wishy-washy on this, or, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. we overlooked this or that. Uh, no, we still know what the truth is, and we're yeah. a hierarchical church, and if you want to change it, it's got to be done through the hierarchy and council. Yeah, and I think we see that today online because the, the online way of doing things is <sighs> basically everybody's opinion is right. 
That's know, right. Everybody it's... has an opinion and everybody's opinion is right because the internet is so flat. Uh, it doesn't, it, it doesn't uh, distinguish between good opinions and bad opinions and right opinions and wrong opinions. It's just all the opinions are the same because it's all just text. And mm-hmm. um, in, in the church, we have to submit ourselves to the teaching of the church. And I think often you're, again, exactly right. When people feel um, a little bit anxious and they feel like, well, maybe I shouldn't be orthodox, it's always because there's some disagreement about the teaching of the church. That's every exactly. single That's time. it. At least right. most of the time. Very, very good. Um, Father John, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying our conversation. I know that um, there are also, you know, there, we, we live in a very difficult time and, and no one has ever painted a um, completely rosy picture of the church. The church itself is made up of fallible human beings. Uh, there are schisms in the church right now, unfortunately, divisions between certain churches, certain bishops. There are disagreements about, um, you know, baptism and and this and that and the other thing. But um, given the long view, because you have been in the church for so long, because you have seen so many things, where do you see things going? Are you hopeful for the future of the Orthodox Church uh, in this country, and uh, where do you see this going in the next 10, 20, 30 years? Well, <clears throat> I think we're going to see challenges because we live in the age of, of my opinions right. And uh, People who say that and they think that, they know good and well it's not right. They know that everybody can't be right, except you know, we, we tend to think we're right. But where I see this going, Father Tom, somehow, somehow, we've made it for 2,000 years. We've had scandals. We've had schisms. We've had, right. we've had uh, 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 all kinds of moral problems. We've, we've seen awful things. We've got warts. We've got cancers even. But it hasn't changed. And what I see in the future, especially in these next few years, because, you know, the culture is going to change some. It always does. Probably for the worse, but maybe, you know, it's going to change. Yeah. But right. what I see is that we become a stronghold and... I think what we're seeing today is actually going to increase. You know, church attendance in America and the growth of major denominations is on the decline. Yes. 32% of Americans go to church now. Uh, that's down from, it was way, it was in the 60s, not that long ago. It's just a radical change. People have lost faith in, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, major denominations, they've lost faith because they've changed. So what I see is e- even if we had priests, even if we had a bishop who said, we got to change, he can't do it right. by himself. And so I think that, that we offer to the culture strength uh, there was a woman in Atlanta who taught a very large woman's Bible study. Uh, she was very gifted. And, and one day she made a comment that it really struck me. She said, even a church spire is a testimony to God. Just, and we're, doing a, uh, we're doing a cultural, uh, uh, a liturgical thing in a, in a, this coming weekend at St. Athanasius in, in uh, Goleta. And it, it, uh, Father, uh, a priest will, will be here and he'll be working on iconography and things like that. Great. People, it, they just need to see us. They yes. need to see what we look like because even yep. seeing it, Father Tom, just to see it affects Agreed. you. 
I, I, I agree 100% because, and this is a challenge, uh, Father John, because people are retreating to their homes, they're retreating to their computers, and they're not getting out. They're not congregating. They're not, uh, the only place they seem to congregate are restaurants anymore, right? That, <laughs> that particular, other than that, they're not joining groups and they're not uh, gathering together. Even the people that were Orthodox all their lives, they're pulling back. You can, you can sense that idea that there is reticence to get together. And we just scheduled our annual, uh, what we call St. Nicholas Symposium, and it's going to be about iconography. And somebody was asking, you know, because they always ask, are you going to record this? And it's like, we want you to be there. We want you to see this. We want you to be with us. We want you to, you have to experience this in order to understand it. So if we can get people out of their house, houses, get that phone out of their hand and get them into our churches, I think that the future is really going to be very bright. Father John, I want to ask you about your book, uh, and that is Divine Energy. The Orthodox Path to Christian Victory. Um, it's a wonderful book, and I will tell you, I have a friend. It was a woman that was on our show. Her name is uh, Lacey Sturm. She's a very famous recording artist. She said this book changed her life. Um, why did you write this book, Divine Energy? What prompted you to write this book? Well, when I first did it, uh, it had a funny title. It was. It came out. It ain't gonna rain no more. Mm. Now it came from a biblical text where Saint Paul yes. says, "Let not sin, therefore rain, <laughs> R E I G N, in your mortal bodies." I get it. And I was. I was very definitely a Protestant when I when I first wrote it. But I had just become just introduced to the writings of the church fathers. And so we, we made that a, 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 a yardstick for truth, and the attempt was to present orthodox doctrine. And, and Father Tom, the main use of this book, it's used, it's used, by, it's used in cate, uh, for catechism classes. I mean, it's, it, I think I wrote it in 1977. It's been redone two or three times. It needed to be fixed up, probably needs it again. But it's good. If it, it, honestly, on the Trinity, it's really good. But it, let me go back to one thing you said, icons. Please. People today are eager to see icons. And, uh, and the Internet is a great advantage to us where they just mm. they see them and they know they're different. Uh, this uh, it, it's this we live in a yeah, really it's a great witness. Yeah, oh, it's a great yeah. witness. And and in the book you talk about the importance of the incarnation and how this is um part of our uh, ascesis, our ascetical effort to um to enter into this life this unseen warfare it's really um i i really think it's a hidden gem uh it's as you said it's been around for many many years but i do want to encourage our listeners go to store.ancientfaith.com check out divine energy the orthodox path to christian victory it's and buy a 50 very copies easy while you're read. at it <laughs> Of course, uh, it's a very easy read, but it's a very challenging subject. And so it's something that you have to put into, uh, into practice. All right, Father John, uh, we've come to the end of our hour. Uh, again, I feel like it's Christmas morning. I, I, I get to have you on the program, which is really has been such a, a joy. And I want to reiterate what John Maddox was saying from the bottom of my heart that uh, your ministry has been and, and is, continues to be, such an inspiration to so many people. And I'm sure that you don't even understand the wide, broad reach that you have had in bringing people uh, not only to Christ, but to the fullness of Christ in the Orthodox Christian faith. 
and we are so grateful for everything that you do. We want you to uh, to have a good health and happiness, and uh, tell us a little bit about your family, if you will, also. I know that um, I was privileged to uh, speak with your son, uh, to who set this up, but tell us a little bit about your family, if you would, please. Well, I have five sons, uh, two are deacons, and all are involved in the church. Uh, I'm old, I'm 90, and uh, I, I counted up the other day. I have 43 uh, children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. Wow. Uh, we're scattered around the country a little bit. We've got some folks in the South, Tennessee and Alabama. Uh, we all started here. Uh, family is, is terribly important. Church family is, is uh, re- we must face it, church family is more important. And if it isn't, then the family doesn't understand where we are, our own families. Mm. They need to know that uh, we may have brothers and sisters uh, in the family, but we have brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's a closer relationship. But I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful. uh, I'm thankful for uh, a wife uh, who I dragged all over America and who went through all these changes and was uh, a very vital part in in our uh, uh, being able to even make the journey. I I, I couldn't have made it without her. Uh, She's been gone for a number of years now. I think it's seven, Uh, but she was so important. Uh, Oh, the family is being attacked today. It's being torn apart. We need to hang on to this, onto the family, and and what, what we do as a family. Uh, I'm 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 thankful that my my fourth son is the is the chairman of the board there. Uh, my mm-hmm. oldest son is on the board of trustees of the Antiochian Archdiocese. Uh, my youngest son has been singing and chanting for 25 years. Uh, I, I'm just grateful for that the, the, they, they've been involved. Do some of them, are all the grandchildren in? No, I've got one grandson who, uh, you know, he may not have a, 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 a he, he doesn't live in, in, in this country, but if somebody put a gun to his head and said, deny the Orthodox faith, he would say, pull the trigger. Mm. Well, I, I think that, uh, a lot of that, of course, is due to the prayers of righteous parents uh, and grandparents, and uh, you have had an effect uh, on your children and grandchildren, and we are all uh, very, very grateful for all the work that you do, Father John. Please um, continue, uh, you know, continue to pray for the upbuilding of the church. Uh, I do. We also, by the way, we want to direct everyone to the website that has um, all of your sermons on there, many of your sermons. If you go to prudencetrue.com, prudencetrue.com, you will see the homilies of Father John Braun. You'll see some other wonderful writings there. Uh, It's really a terrific resource. Father John Braun, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. Uh, God willing, uh, we'll see each other again soon. Thank you, Father Tom. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Uh, Before I uh, again sign off tonight, I want to offer my sincere thanks to Father John Braun for joining us tonight. Thanks to Matushka Trudy for engineering the program, to Melissa Graff, our show production assistant, and to all of those who uh, were listening in, to those who uh, gave us comments, and those who will be listening. Uh, I wanted to read, actually, the final few paragraphs from Father John's book, Divine Energy, The Orthodox Christian Path to Victory. And he says... It begins, that is, our Christian life or victorious living, with a solid understanding and experience of God. That necessarily calls for us 
to lay hold on the incarnation of Jesus Christ and what that means for us in relation to the forgiveness of our sins. But we are also united to Christ and nourished by him through the sacraments, the mysteries, to which we have access in the church, drawing on those divine energies made available to us in Christ. In addition, we must also continually cooperate with God by actively pursuing a godly life through prayer, fasting, almsgiving, and virtuous living. All of these are vital to successful spiritual warfare. There are no formulas, no keys. It is simply a matter of living life as God has given it to us in Christ. John, the apostle of Jesus, wrote at the end of his life, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Victory in spiritual battle is not impossible. It is assumed in that statement. It is, in fact, a reality. May the same overcoming of sin, Satan, and death be a reality in the lives of all God's people who seek to serve him and walk in his way. And that's our show for tonight. Remember to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ancientfaithtoday. Share out our program after that's posted. Give us your feedback and contact us with any ideas or topics that you might want to hear about. And join us next Tuesday evening for another edition of Ancient Faith Today Live. Good night, everybody.